This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to my show tonight. I am Hannah Wilson, and tonight we're going to talk about what it's like being a teacher and a single parent. Uh, We've got some advice and stories of experiences, uh, top tips and things that can help make your life easier. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Hello and welcome to the show. So, Uh, Looking at stats, there are around 1.8 million single parents in the UK um, and that stat is growing. It's becoming far more common as we know in our schools that we have far more children in our school that are from single parent households and we have to consider um, how that affects uh, them but also us as teachers. There's quite a lot of teachers that will be single parents and um, how that affects our teaching. When I became a single parent, there was another single uh, mum at my school and we became friends when I told her what happened and I could not have got through it all without her. And I think it is a case of actually we need to share our experiences and help each other cope because although teaching is great and it means that we have all the holidays and it makes it better in terms of childcare that way there are a lot of other things that we need to consider and think about and make available to single parent households and thinking about how we can support them. Uh, For example, I had quite a difficult start um, becoming a single parent that when my child was first going to primary school, um, so he has for context, uh, uh, he's deaf, so he has a a speech delay and he uh, got put um, at an SRB unit. So this means he has to get a taxi to school. Now, they weren't able to tell me the taxi times until the week before school started in September. So for me, that was quite daunting. I'd already, obviously, my school had already sorted my timetable, um, but I was reassured that it would be plenty early enough for him to get picked up and take to school and for me to be able to get to my school. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. They turned around and told me that my spot for pickup time was at quarter past eight. Now, my school teaching time starts at 8.30 and I live half an hour away from school. So that just simply wouldn't work. And uh, I had a horrible panic that I wasn't able to do this and that I was essentially going to have to give up my period one every day and that's 20% of my income. So um, that was quite a daunting thing to consider. 
I went to my child's school and unfortunately they weren't overly supportive um, and they um, said they wouldn't have him at breakfast club because um, they didn't know how he would get on the bus, that they didn't want to be responsible for walking him from breakfast club to the, well, it's like a little taxi bus, there's 10 kids in there. Uh, there's obviously somebody on the taxi with them, but again, they initially were saying that they wouldn't get out of the taxi and walk to the breakfast club. So I was kind of had this couple of metre no man's land in the middle where no one would help me. Um, I guess in their instance, they were thinking, obviously, it's my first child's first time at um, primary school. What if he cries? What if he refused to get on the bus? I'm like, luckily, my child is very secure and he's been going to nursery uh, before that. So he was in nursery 7.30 until whatever time I picked him up. So he's used to a slightly longer day um, and he's very much not a child to have tantrums. So um, I did have to take the first week off work in the mornings to put him in breakfast club, then sit in my car, wait for the taxi to arrive, go to breakfast club, walk him to the taxi and put him on the taxi and he was fine. And as soon as they kind of met him, they realised that actually he was fine. Um, and also to add more context to it, that um, initially the school weren't uh, happy with him being picked up and dropped off at the school, but I didn't want my ex at my house um, for certain reasons. So um that took quite a lot of difficult conversations of going, I don't want my ex-husband sitting outside my house on the days where he has my son. Um, so I want him to be picked up and dropped off at your school. And then it's the same place every day and it's the same for both of us. And it's not, you don't have to do anything. It's just, that's the car park that we're going to pick him up from. So I do think you need to fight for your corners and fight for your stand, what you want. So don't be kind of walked over either. Um, so for me, it was important that it was that neutral ground and it wasn't at my house and I wasn't having my space invaded. So um, I had to stick to that and make sure that um, that happened. Um, so it is really difficult in terms of getting that support. And I feel like breakfast and after school clubs are so important in order to be able to live your life as a teacher. I would not be able to do it without that. And actually... Luckily, the lady at the breakfast club um, happened to know um, us through some mutual friends and um, very much quickly fell in love with my son and they formed this brilliant bond. And actually, I think he's probably got more of a bond to the breakfast club lady um, than anybody else in the school because he only goes to that school on a Friday. The rest of the week, he gets the taxi to the speech unit. And I'm so grateful that he's comfortable there and he's happy there. He's happy to go in and have breakfast. He's happy to go there after school on a Friday because, again, I have the same issue that they finish at 3.15. My school finishes at 3, but I cannot get there before 3.30. So essentially, I'm paying £6 for 15 minutes or I leave him in there a bit longer and get a bit of work done. So I'm ready for next week. So it's that kind of guilt of, oh, my child is left there extra on a Friday versus I need to actually get my work done and get um, myself into a good place ready for next week. And I think it is that balance. It's what you want to do as a parent. You want to provide, you want to be there, you want to be as supportive of your child's growth, but also you need to make sure that you have the time for you to be able to do what you need to do as a teacher, but also have your own time and your own balance and support yourself um, as well. So um, for me, I kind of, my son goes to his dad's on a Sunday, Monday. So I do have my Mondays after school. They're the days that I stay late. I have my after school club. That's the day that the kids can stay late. 
um, and do their work with me. And it does give me that opportunity to, to do that. Um, the rest of the week, I have um, a Tuesday where I have my after school meetings, whether it be department, head of department, etc. meetings, where I'm very, very grateful that uh, my mother picks up my son. So his grandma has him, but it does mean I have to drive um, for an hour after school to go pick him up, take him, pick him up and then take him home. And then obviously sometimes later on we have parents evenings and things on other days which are much longer and I find that they're quite difficult to uh, handle. I personally found that going online that made my parents evenings a lot easier before that having to kind of I was literally having to drive home pick him up take him home feed him give him to like a babysitter and then go back to school and then do parents evening and then go back home, which meant I was absolutely ruined when it came to the next day. And I think it is that kind of flexibility or working out what works for your staff. So I'm lucky in a sense that my school had kept online parents evenings and they very much um, we're allowed to set the time. So for me, I set mine as early as possible. So I stay straight after school um, and then majority of the time my grand, my mum or his grandma will have him and I can make it back in time to um uh still do my hours there have been the odd occasion where they've fallen where she's been away or i feel like i monopolize my grandma quite a lot um in the fact that i have two sisters that both have children that also need help granted they live a bit further away so one's in cornwall and one's in london so quite often she'll go and spend a week down there or help them and and then if, if she goes i am really really lost with what to do in terms of how i cope with my after school commitments and being a mother so um, I have done it that occasionally I've left 15 minutes early to be able to go pick him up and then done some extra appointments um, on another day or done some phone calls at lunchtime so it is having that open communication with your school and seeing what they're able to offer and I think it is one of those you have to be open and honest and I think as senior leadership they have to be respectful of that and have to be flexible in terms of what they can offer you and I think as long as you're doing the hours as long as you go to them with solutions of like okay I might have to leave 15 minutes earlier because of childcare, but I will make up those I will do those phone calls on this day instead and I think it's having that backup plan there so you're not just going simply oh I can't do it I've got childcare because that's when they're going to get annoyed you have to kind of have the idea of when you're going to do something and how you're going to solve it so you're still doing your contracted hours because that's the important bits and that's where the finer details are within that so do you find somebody else at your school that's a single mum to talk to that you can or a single dad and that you can talk to and find out kind of what they're doing find out what works for them because that is really really useful also obviously make friends with um, other parents at your school because I've got one parent that we're very very lucky both our children go to the same school and go to the same speech school which is very uncommon uh, but they're like little two peas in a pod so if if there's any issues then she can help and pick him up if need be but don't be afraid to ask I I have complete and utter guilt that I have to ask that I'm not capable of doing something I'm like I just physically can't do it and I have to ask for that help but it's a case of not being afraid and that you can ask for help you can um you don't have to do it all by yourself um also thinking about um kind of that timing of things really making sure you're prepared 
and organise and know when things are, know well in advance when you're going to have issues with childcare, know full on kind of how things are going to go in in that sense and and have that pre and after school um, care sorted. And I think it's a case of don't feel guilty as well. Like breakfast clubs are there for a reason. There's lots of parents that are putting them in there um and and use them they're they're there for a reason and at the end of the day if you kind of add up all of the hours that you work as a teacher and then we cut out the normal holiday hours and then we um look at what we've got less we do have a lot more time with our children in terms of holidays and and we reap the benefits there so it's easy to feel really guilty when you miss them and you're not there to tuck them in or they're the last person there after school and you're picking them up um but at the end of the day you do make up that time at other points in the year and i think that's important not to forget in the grand scheme of things that we do have to have that balance that there are these other areas in our lives that we can kind of make it up to them per se um and also I think the great thing is that they do have a teacher um as a parent I think it's something to aspire to and look up to and also it means that we're great at communicating we're great at breaking things down and we're great at teaching them so really our children should be the ones that thrive because they're getting the best from us and they know how to do things themselves um, also, the nice thing about being a single parent um, that I read in an article that kind of stuck out to me was actually spending quality one-to-one time. So just you and your child, like that's not you and another parent, just you and that child allows you to develop a unique, stronger bond than if you weren't a single parent. And actually, I would be inclined to agree with that. I feel like I've got a much stronger bond with my child because I spend so much more one-to-one time with him. And it is really quality time. We are very, very close. And he's close with his father as well. But we have a very unique bond that we are very kind of in tune with each other um, and have a real great friendship as well. Um, And I think also the fact that... um, Generally, they say that children from um, single parent households um, build up a lot more resilience. So actually, the science says that single most common factor of children who develop resilience is at least one stable, committed relationship with a supportive parent, carer or adult. So it might be a case that it could be anybody in their life. But actually, our children only need one really stable parent, one amazing, committed relationship to thrive. And that's going to help them build those skills as adaptive skill building, positive experience, foundation of resilience. So these children are going to build up a bit of resilience. Then they're going to have to experience things that other children don't have to. Um, But it just means that they're going to build more character. They're going to have to face slightly different things but they are going to have these stronger relationships because they're going to have more one-to-one time um and it is things that are going to help them become more confident and resilient and more adaptive and more kind of um open to kind of different things and trying different things and and building that kind of stepping stones to kind of resilience because they've got this uh, extra skill um, to compared to some other children. Um, 
Right, I'm just going to play us our news. I'm going to get it in nice and early today, and then hopefully my guest Jess will be along shortly, um, and we'll be discussing some more, some little uh, tips and things about uh, what it's like being a single parent and a teacher, and things that you can do to help um, in terms of your workload and um, home life, and how to cope with the pressures. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. At the National Higher Education Conference, Unison Assistant General Secretary John Richards opened proceedings with a damning critique of the government's approach towards university education, according to Unison's own website. Mr Richards focused on out-of-touch ministers who failed to understand the current funding crisis and pointed out that the funding models across the UK seem to be broken. He cited the issue of limited government funding as causing a de facto cap on student numbers and accused the government of trashing the UK's reputation for higher education in Europe, leading to big drops in the numbers of overseas students a story covered by Teachers Talk Radio News last week. Mr Richards went on to assert that those in government do not understand the cost of living crisis because they've never had to face it. Strike action by those working in the HE sector has been part of a wave of action taken by unions across a range of public sectors in recent weeks. The last week saw the release of details of government plans to revamp children's social care in England. BBC News reported on the plan for more early support for families and the extra £200 million funding for the next two years. Last year, a review warned that tens of thousands more children could end up in care without additional funding and reform. The plan has faced criticism that many of the changes are being rolled out as localised pilots rather than a national programme. The government plans to put families at the heart of the reform and intends to provide better support for all vulnerable children in order to reduce the need for crisis intervention. There will be pilots in 12 local authorities which will deliver more early support for families struggling with addiction, domestic abuse and poor mental health. There will also be more family type placement for children in care with relatives, friends or foster families. Other changes include plans to recruit more foster carers, a simpler process and more support for relatives or friends who take on children, a rise in the leaving care allowance and support for councils to recruit and retain more social workers. Economic Constitutional and Social Policy Forum Politea has published an article focusing on its views of the proposed changes to the school's history curriculum. The publication History, Whose History? The Battle for the School Curriculum features three historians' views on the proposals. The government's plan for reform came in response to recommendations from the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities. The plan for a new model history curriculum for pupils to see themselves as integral parts of what makes up the UK today was proposed. The essays included in the publication focus in 
on the responses of a variety of academics who all appear to conclude that there is no need for the proposed changes because diversity is already built in the current programme. Further details of the publication and forum for debate can be found on the Policy website. Finally, a school principal in a rural part of Northern Ireland has expressed concerns over safety after it emerged that recruitment of lollipop men and women is being frozen. It comes as part of a drive to save money. The current power sharing deadlock in Stormont meant no budget could be agreed and significant cuts needed to be made. The principal of a rural primary school, Donna Winters, told the BBC that until recently there had been consistent crossing patrol staff that have been vital in making sure pupils can cross roads safely, but that they have not had staff since December. The school has had to resort to employing a patrol staff member directly and, when they are absent, teaching and support staff have to fill in. Ms Winters went on to point out that safety was not an area where cuts should be made. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, it's Safe for Internet Week, with the official day being on the 7th of February. This year, the UK Safe for Internet Centre focuses on Want to Talk About It, making space for conversation online. They've got loads of educational resources on the website saferinternet.org.uk, banded into 3 to 7, 7 to 11, 11 to 14 and 14 to 18 years of age. They are even translated into Welsh and have adapted resources for SEND and ALD. So they have pretty much covered all bases. You need to take a look. But why do we need to get our young people talking about this? Well, let me try and give you an idea in one breath. <gasps> With an estimated 5.16 billion people using the internet at 64.4% of the world's population, it's estimated that around 500,000 predators pose a threat to young people daily, with the main target being 12 to 15 year old children. With a quick search of statistics from the internet, I found supposedly one in 25 children will be manipulated in some way this year, and 80% of predatory behavior will be through social media. This couple with only 15% of parents actually knowing what their children are doing online makes this an issue which definitely needs to be talked about with our young people. <gasps> To get some perspective on this, every 60 seconds, TikTok users watch over 167 million videos. Data never sleeps. We need to know how to stay safe because the sheer volume of data means it cannot effectively be policed. Please send your thoughts amongst the 575,000 other posts every 60 seconds on Twitter at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Hello and welcome back after that. Um, Jess is going to be with me shortly. She uh, was on a CPD, the epiphany of a very busy mum. So, um, and I'm quite similar. Like I do feel that being a single mum kind of motivates you and makes you want to do better for your children. Like you want to succeed, you want to do more. And quite often I have had that chat in the staff room um, where I've spoken to other middle leaders and with another single mum at the time and we're like do you not want to go into slt do you not want to 
take that next step and they're like no no I'm quite comfortable where I am I'm quite happy where I am and and we're like no I I want I want to get further I want to do the best I want to provide for my family I want to not only earn as much as I can but I want to show them that I'm successful and I've achieved and and that I can they can be anything they want to be you just have to work hard and I feel like that's kind of a better thing to show your child that they can achieve anything and that actually um being a working parent you're showing them that you can um you can have it all that you're not gonna um have an effect on your child if you if you do work um really hard you can actually show them that that that's uh, achievable um so I'm currently doing my level seven apprenticeship with um, MSc um, and I do that on top of everything. So I have to log six hours of CPD um, a week on top of my normal hours. So I'm doing lots of extra things. Quite often I'm sat plugged into my laptop with some headphones in or a headphone in one ear uh, whilst my son sat um, playing or watching a little bit of telly next to me. Like he's quite used to it. He will stick his head in and try and join in the CPD and just say hello at some point. Or even like I have um, I'm national subject lead, so I have to run quite a lot of CPDs for the trust. But that time is decided by the trust. That's not decided by me. So um, sometimes they're up quite often at four o'clock to give people a chance to get home. Um, but at that point, I'm home and I have a child, um, and I have I, I can't use my mum kind of five days a week that's just not fair on her she's um she if you haven't listened to my previous show uh is teaching in the blood then do have a listen to that of my mum talking um it's a really great show um but yeah she retired from teaching at 73 so um i can't expect too much from her um as well but i also know that when she does have him my son is being taught as her favorite thing is um chocolate button maths where she's teaching him maths but he gets to eat the chocolate buttons to do the subtraction so um i know that even if he is with her he's getting quality education my child has no opportunity just to sit i think that's one of the benefits of being a child of a teacher is like you will always learn everything is a teaching opportunity even in the holidays your child will always be taught something um so in that respect it's good that they're kind of always having that input no matter kind of where they are um but I do think in terms of that he'll stick his head into my CPD and like quite often a lot of my trust uh, teachers all know who he is by now um and he'll say hello um but generally he's quite well behaved I think he also like he had a baptism of fire with the COVID of the me trying to teach online learning and him sat on my shoulders like my students were quite aware that I had a, um, a young child that one was slightly more difficult than it is um now and especially I think um I was lucky in the fact that I had a trainee teacher at the time and she did a lot of my um, online lessons and I was sat in with her and I could actually, I would sit with my camera off because my child would literally be sat on my shoulders. Um, uh, obviously my tutor group was slightly different, like they that was a bit of fun and he, he quite often joined in on all our tutor activities, but um, that one I had to do live and that was on a day where she was online training um, and he found it absolutely hilarious because he knew I couldn't tell him off. He's normally such a well-behaved little boy, but he knew I couldn't tell him off in front of my tutor group online live uh, where I had 30 kids online. He would go and play the piano, he'd go get all his toys and pour them out in front of me. He thought it was absolutely hilarious. So there are times where it is out of our hands and we just have to do what we can do with the situation. So it is it is difficult and there are moments, but I think also it makes us human. And um, 
I think in that respect, one of my uh, teacher friends, she got me a Mother's Day present, which was a badge that says, you got this mama and I wear it on my coat. And uh, one of my students actually saw it and was like, why are you wearing that pin? And I was like, explained it. And she was like, oh, so you're a single mum? And I was like, yes. And she's like, it was kind of a bit of a light bulb moment for this little slightly troublesome student that actually that you could be a single parent and you can be successful. And I think that's interesting for them as well and I'm quite open about the fact that I am a single mum and that if like my child's sick I'm going to have to take that day off like there's there's nobody else to do it it is just me I am going to have to take that day off if my child has a hospital appointment and my child has a lot of them that's where I'm going to have to go like and quite often as well like I have had to take um I've had to pay deducted because my child is disabled and he has a, a, a large number of hospital appointments and it goes over their allowance. But I'd rather take an afternoon off than call in sick and take a whole day off just to take him to the hospital. So from a moral point of view, that's me being open and honest with my school. Um, but unfortunately, it's just one of those trust rules that has to go. But um, there isn't no quite often. There's, and I don't also I don't want to miss my child's hospital appointments. I don't want to send him with someone else. I want to be there. So it's one of those. And same as when he is sick, he is going to want me I can't get and it's not fair to let my mum look after him when she's sick either so um it is one of those that you do have a lot of guilt and there is a lot of pressure on you but it is important but I think being an open honest and and kind of like I said having that little kind of glint to these students that I'm actually a single mother that it kind of really changed their attitude um towards me apologies that's why I love going off I'm on injections I've got a blood clot so if I sound a bit funny that's what's going on with my voice at the moment um hopefully I don't sound too abnormal compared to my previous shows um but um I do think it's interesting and important to think about kind of yourself and what you want to get out of it and what you can do um, as a single parent and what you want to do. I mean, certainly from a school point of view, I do think they need to consider it. I remember um, when I went in for um, your, um, to a school CPD, the, the first CPD actually after I um, split with my husband um, and one of the, the CPDs was on child welfare. Now I had told my SLT what had happened. Um, so they were aware, but I don't think they'd perhaps considered what had happened and what they were about to present. So they presented a session on, um, on children and, um, children that had um different backgrounds and what would affect them um and they said that children from single house uh single parent households um quite often had the same level as children that came from abusive backgrounds or whose parents um had alcohol issues and i just found that suddenly really like a lot of information to take in and really insensitive um so um I think in that respect that really quite upset me and that idea that oh my gosh what have I just done like my world's just crumbled and now I'm essentially gonna um affect like my child's kind of basically 
thrivingness uh, in that situation. Like I'm basically being told that I put my child into this situation, but actually that's not the case. And actually our children only need one thriving, solid pet connection with a parent to do well. And I think we need to, as potentially on CPDs, we need to think about what our staff are going through and what, what they've been through and how we um, send stuff like that and deliver it and how like have a little bit attacked because i wasn't the only person in the room that was a single parent there were others um and actually afterwards we spoke and we went that i found that really hard to listen to it made me feel like i'm a failure and i think that that's in in that respect that's things that school and slt can think about um so we do need to be careful in that respect that we are considering our staff and we're not just bunching students and things um together so we need to think about how we address things and and that we and that's the thing it is just a statistic yes there are children from single house households and quite often they're the ones that are naughty and troublesome at school but essentially that means that they don't have a a parent that is giving them a secure attachment like they're having issues from both sides of their parents they don't have that secureness and there will be lots of um children as well that do come from households that have got are a single household and have got that attachment and perhaps you don't even know that they're from a a single child household and a single parent household and it's and it's that kind of just thinking about them and understanding them and sometimes actually we need to be as teachers their secure attachment and offer them that place to go I know like the girls that I mentioned previously that had kind of quite insecure households they I'm their go-to I'm the person they come find at break time I'm the person they come find lunchtime I'm the person they come find during lessons when they don't want to go to lessons to have a chat or I'm the person that, that they kind of have difficulties with um other teachers that they need to come speak to because it's triggering them for a certain thing like i think um, it's one of those that is hello welcome to the show (laughs) am i on Uh, on. we can hear you fabulous hello busy busy parent absolutely that's why i'm late (laughs) <laughs> I was like because this is the thing you still want to do well and you still want to like do everything that you would do as a normally you don't want to miss out on anything that's gonna uh in teacher wise because you're a parent you still want to do all these things and, and attend all these cpds and get the most out of your teaching exactly I've literally finished up from an unexpected meeting and then straight into a cpd course dinner and I'm on here it has been non-stop today how do you find kind of being a single parent and trying to balance school? I'm still getting used to it. It's been my fair, no, it's my second academic year where I'm still trying to manage. And I've gone back full time. So our school is five and a half days a week. And it is manic, it is doable, but I don't get a chance. Mostly in the mornings, it calms down in the afternoons in terms of childcare. And I'm really lucky that one of mine is at school. So we're kind of on the same time frame, but it's the preschool. That's the issue. I think that's the most difficult bit as well. If you've got two kids and they're on different schedules at different schools, that's quite difficult. I've got a friend that's in a similar situation that she's got one in primary and one in secondary and is trying to manage that. 
um, to give some context, I was saying about this earlier that um, I reached out to another single mum at my school and she really, really helped me when I became single. And we used to work in the same trust and we used to have um, our national subject days together. Um, and then when you became single, you reached out to me and were like, how do I do it? What should I What? And I think it's, it is don't be afraid to reach out and chat to other people in the same situation and create that network. I feel like you almost need that network of people that understand the situation and, and had the same situation and understand it because it is a whole new level of things that you need to think about. Absolutely. And I massively appreciated, obviously I knew you anyway from our first schools together, didn't we? Yeah, and yeah. we were in just completely different places anyway, both, but well, I was head of department and now I'm not, and you weren't and now you are. And personally we're in different places and it was kind of like we always cross paths, but it was just kind of, you're just focused, aren't you? And then something so personal happens probably, at, well, similar times really, wasn't it? And it was kind of like, oh, I don't know, I was just so grateful to know you and to have someone who understood it from all areas because it's hard enough transitioning from being a family to being on your own let alone then someone understanding work because I think if you're not in and I, this could be really ignorant but if you're not in the same job as we do even the same subject I think it differs across subjects too but it's really hard to understand what we do day to day and that's not like saying oh we do lots because there are so many professions that do so much more and demand so much more but as teachers ourselves and knowing what we do we do a lot and then it's like really hard to think how do you manage it all because I don't know how many children you see day to day but I've got my two at home and then five classes a day even if you've got 20 in there that's that's 100 but you see more because you've got a form and then you see more because you've got duty then you see more because you do an after school club it's how many people do you come in contact every day it's um it's pretty intense sometimes, but really rewarding. And actually, I'm really glad that I've got my job because if I didn't and didn't know all those people, I don't know. It it gives me a bit of, it gives me a sense of place. Yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah, teaching for me was actually the constant. It was the bit that uh, everything else might be falling apart, but I'm really good at teaching and I can still go and make an impact. Like, like granted, there were times where I went into the, cupboard and cried because I'd had a horrible interaction with my ex and I was just like or he'd messaged me and I was just like that we have those days but like I felt like it was still kind of my safe place it was the place I can still be confident I can still be good at it I may not be quite at my 100% but I'm still kind of able to give it my best like I don't this doesn't have to suffer I can still succeed at it Exactly. And you also, um, because of our, the nature of our subject, we carry the weight of their projects too. So like when they succeed, it's like, yes, I've done it with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love those little moments where suddenly something clicks. I'm like, yes, let's do that. And then like suddenly you see the fire in them or they just pull it out the bag and, and you like live their successes with them. It's it's like it's like having hundreds and hundreds of your own children, but then you've got to manage your own ones as well. It's exactly it's right. like you live you live it with each of them. Like like currently, obviously, I'm off with um, my blood clot in my lungs, <laughs> fun times. But um, 
like I'm I'm really suffering not seeing my students like I'm having the most lovely little email chats to them like they all like keep like messaging me um and I love the fact that I've got that interaction with my older students that I can have that communication but it is it is like I feel like I'm letting them down but also like I'm like I'll be back when I can be and they'll be replying to me going miss like seriously don't die just look after yourself we're fine we've got this we'll be we'll 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 wait for you to come back like but look after yourself and I think it is that kind of that being open and honest with the students that you you almost feel like you don't want to drop the ball like you're balancing so many balls that you Mm -hmm. feel like guilty when you do drop one they do become like your own extended little family because I know what you mean they do really invest in you as a teacher and I think that's why I don't know this how I don't care it could be really ignorant everyone's situation is so different everyone's context is so different but for me obviously I went into school and I had that sense of purpose and it was like I was I, I'm like loco parentis anyway that's my legal responsibility but they do become like your own little fake children that you just want them to do really well in and then you felt like you had that extended family so my transition work saved me because I love doing what I do and the children are the ones that make the job so special when it comes to my own children though I think Gosh, I've been all day with all these teenagers and because mine are so little, it's kind of like, right, now I have to go back. My brain has to now change and go back to phonics and back to basic rules. And I do. And I'm really lucky that I get I get the two. Um, But it's picking up that energy again that I have at school, driving home and going, right, same energy, even a little bit more is required for my own. So it's pretty intense till bedtime but I'm glad that we're on the same time frames because again like we're we're really lucky in our jobs that we get the holidays I think it is that like it's that you kind of give it you give it all and I think that's the thing that people don't really necessarily understand teaching like I get with all the strikes everyone's like yeah but they get so much holiday and they get paid decent ways but like I think people don't get how intense it is um and like for me like the whole getting up getting my child dressed making sure like making sure I've written the reading book making sure his backpack making sure he's got his coat gloves scarf um making sure he's had his medication getting in getting him to breakfast club and then getting myself to school and getting my lessons prepped like and having everything ready for 8 30 I find quite difficult like for me that is a triumph the fact that I've got out the door and got to work and I'm not late like I'm I'm, I've never ever been late but like in my head it's still like oh I I made it like I think I feel that every time I get to school I'm like oh I made it and it's and it's I think it's the same when you get home you then got to kind of pick yourself up you've got to find this another set of energy you've got to like look after them like uh fixes on uh like got some mass computer thing and then he's got some reading to do and then he's phonics and then like, I've got to feed him I've got to get medication him, I've got to bath him I've got to get him to bed and it's like then you finally stop and it's like oh like I survived the day you need a treat to keep you going yeah you definitely need mummy treat box always hide it make sure the kids don't know where it is like that is golden <laughs> just a little incentive and I think it is it's then like giving yourself a break like I I very much am a big I'm a big thing in terms of managing as a parent is I batch cook a lot of things in the holidays so that in when it comes to school term time I have enough for at least one or two meals in the evenings during the weeks so that I don't really have to cook except like heat up I know that he's getting all the nutrients from it and that is like my big top tip or something that I've got I've got homemade meatballs and sauce in the freezer 
that I can pop in the slow cooker and it's done for when I get home. Like, or on a Sunday night, making sure I do a slow cooker meal on a Sunday night, put it uh, in the fridge so it's ready to go on the Monday so it's good for when I get home. Like, those little tiny things that you do at other points when you don't have the pressures are the bits that help you when it does get tough, especially, like, I find, like, had I been at school uh, this week or the week before, the couple of weeks before half term where it's really starting to all kick in, having parents evenings and reports and things like that, having those little things on the side that make your life a little bit easier do help. Yes, I I agree. I wish I was better at batch, batch cooking. When I used to batch cook, my life ran so much more smoothly. Um, but that was at my old school. And it meant I had like stricter routines. Um, whereas now I'm at a boarding school. And although I still have strict routines, because I now do after school clubs that run later because we've got borders, I am lucky that I get dinner at my school, which on those days I massively, massively appreciate being looked after because if not, you are, because you're the constant and you're the one that holds the house up and you're the one that's cooking for everyone all of the time you don't get that respite of coming home and just having that extra pair of hands to go you've had a long day we'll you know we'll do cooking or having yeah. something ready because I don't and because of my child's schedule in terms of co-parenting it doesn't allow me to batch cook very well because of how frequent they're not at, at home yeah so as a because I work in a boarding school, it is a lot easier to kind of go. Oh, can you take care of me, please? Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I think that's important. Have like even if you said to yourself like right every Wednesday I'm going to treat myself to a school lunch. That's just taking that pressure off midweek and it will help you get over it or, or get to that kind of little bit. And I think they're the little tips, like the the bits that kind of keep you going and help you um when it does get tough is like don't don't be afraid like if you need to buy a school lunch buy yourself a school lunch like don't make it harder than it needs to be um we all have those days and it's okay to kind of just take what somebody will give you like i i'm i'm and also this is also like an amazing tip make friends with the catering lady like the catering teacher is like one of my closest friends but um her her daughter actually lives in my village and babysits for me um but literally if she's having a cooking demonstration and showing the kids how to cook something she like wraps it up and gives it to me and sends it home with me because she knows that like I struggle <laughs> so I'm just like it's like literally every now and then oh I've made this you have this sometimes she'll even send it through like when I came back when I wasn't very well from work um <laughs> when I broke my foot and was back at work a couple of weeks ago um she sent one of the kids through to my classroom with poached eggs on toast because she knew I hadn't oh. had breakfast but that was her demonstration for oh. the morning so I'm like sat there going I'm just gonna eat this in my year 11 art class it's fine. <laughs> they're um, but they're, they're, they're quite well aware but the kids even do it the kids will bring me brownies and stuff I think they just think I just don't look after myself <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh they're miss will eat people. it it'll be fine <laughs> actually it's really incredible with how many members of staff there are that have been in that same situation so for me at my school I'm one of the youngest teachers because uh, historically people just stay and when you get talking to people it's like oh I was you and it's like what you seem so like sorted and it's like yeah but it's been 20 years or 30 years or 15 years or however long it's been and so many people are actually have been or are in the same situation but no one really talks about it and when you do start talking about it 
the relationships you make are better. I don't know if it's because people feel sorry for you or not, but people just want to help. People want to kind of like be there and supportive. Like our school was very close. I remember the first person I ever met at the college um, and I was outside teaching year sevens and he came up to me and he was, and he introduced himself and I was like, oh, hi, like, nice to meet you. And when actually I went through my breakup, he saw me outside of school in a, in a shop and he went, hi, you're Jess, how are you? And I just cried. And <laughs> I was like, it's the first friendly face I've remembered. And since then he has been so <laughs> supportive and it's like, I know I've got a good friend there I just go to him and be like I'm having a bad day or I need to have a vent and um but then he's actively encouraged like why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that and I know so and so and da, 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 da. and then before you know it you've made like a little community even up to the principal like our principal's really supportive she's very maternal and I know if I've ever had like an issue especially around childcare like, you need to put your family first so she's very like family orientated to the point she's asking me now as of today, do we think we need a better childcare provision for families? And I was like, oh my gosh, how incredible that that's even being considered. Because before that's then it's amazing. not. I think, yeah, I think that really is lovely. really important that, especially if you're looking for a job or taking a job, that finding out what kind of, uh, that would be a question that I would ask uh, SLT, like, at an interview like what what is this school like in terms of childcare? like are they supportive if if they have it? I was talking earlier about how like I do have a child that is disabled he has got a lot more hospital appointments than normal children and I want to be there for those I don't want to send him with his grandma and not know what's going on with his health like it's important for me to be there and I want a school that was supportive and and like essentially I went over my hours and my, my line manager had to give me this contract to say look you've gone through over your hours of allowance for childcare. like we're gonna have to deduct you pay I don't but because it was a trust thing and she was like I really do not want to give you this because you do after schools week after week unpaid you do intervention in the holidays like the amount of hours I give the school extra versus the amount of hours that I go for hospital appointments like are two in the same like I feel like I give as much as I take if that makes sense and I think I'm not I'm not like oh my my kids sneezed I'm gonna be off like I'm like very much I think I think you do become that as a single parent as well you're like right and I think most parents are especially teacher ones like I'm gonna dose you up and you are going in like unless they send you home you are in school <laughs> kind yeah, of thing like you're yeah. like yeah you have to be really really sick for me to say stay home um so I do feel guilty in that respect I'm like nope you're not sick enough you're going in um but that resilience yes exactly and I think that is that was one of the facts that I found out looking into this is that actually kids from single parent households is are more resilient and actually they do better in life because of they the ones that are successful in building up that resilience and using it um and I certainly see that in my child. My child is very resilient. He's very, um, he's he's fine with everything that he has kind of medically and, and he'll go to the doctors and go to the hospital. Literally everyone's like, oh my gosh, he's so amazing. And I just think- Oh, that's he's... exactly what I was about to say. He's such a good kid. We like hanging out with him. Yeah, well, I think yours are as well. They just, I think it's that thing is that you, you worry that you're letting them down, but actually- we're, we're doing the opposite we're just showing them that you can't you you have to work hard and you have you can have that kind of balance and that we do make it up for them in the holidays like we do have that quality one-to-one -one time that's going to build those stronger bonds with them and build those memories but they're just 
kind of all clump together in in the holidays um but there is also I had this I don't know whether you had it did you have the presumption that because you're a teacher you would just have the children the holidays all the time um <laughs> that's been my reality up until the last holiday <laughs> yeah it's like well you have all that time off say so what am I supposed to do I don't have all that time off it's like ah uh, so for the I have had that for the past couple of years but the last holiday was a nice evenly split um and I say nice because as much as I would love to have them all the time one I actually sometimes need a break because it's so intense um and two I do want my children to have a very positive relationship with both their parents and by doing that that's you know that's consistency and frequency and they do have that and I don't I don't think they'll be at a disadvantage because we live in separate houses for that there's so many contexts and as teachers we we appreciate and understand that because we have so many students that come through our doors in completely different contexts every single day and as I've already mentioned I'm in a boarding school I've got students that don't ever see their parents from term to term um they're very resilient um yeah so I think as long as we do our bit and yeah with holidays it's I hope it continues but equally it's like well we get used like you say you get that one-to-one time with them it just means you don't feel like you've got a holiday when you go back (laughs) I think that's one of the most difficult bits is that actually people are like you're on your knees sometimes at the end of terms and things and you're like oh god I need I need this break and you get to it and you don't actually have it and actually sometimes because I only get like two days so if like when I get to half term I'm gonna have two days to myself and then which you kind of need to recover and then I'm then I'm then I'm full-time parent for the rest of the holidays and that's it and it's like it is difficult because you don't I don't think we ever get quite as recharged as like if you were in a two-parent household you don't kind of necessarily have that it is kind of a little bit more intense in that respect no I agree I agree um but I think we've come better at multitasking you have to learn to do two things at once like I very much and I very much get more I think done in my teacher day than most people like I will do two things at once I will work through my break I'll work through my lunch so I don't have to take it home and I'm very conscious if I try not to take things home or if I do I don't do it until he goes to bed um and I don't really want to be doing that I want that I want that hour or two in the evening that are just for me um otherwise you just you're just gonna basically burn yourself out yeah, I have got more. I actually would say since becoming a parent, regardless of any circumstance, I got better with boundaries because beforehand I would work, I would I would get up early and go into work, say an hour and a half before I started just to get admin done, start the day, go for it, stay late, do my training and just work, 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 come back and be like, right, I've got to do this for tomorrow. And it was just constant. Whereas when I had children, it was actually... I have got to like preserve myself. If not, I'm not going to be the best teacher anyway. And so I got better at using time, like you say, at lunch times. I now have a where I am now. I have a longer lunch, so I have over an hour. That is essentially a free period. So I see it as grab lunch, free period, unless I'm pulled for meetings. And if I am doing work in the evenings, it is admin only, and that is once the children are in bed, so it doesn't impact on my time at all. So I've had I've had to be stricter on myself. And I was talking about this today because I saw something about 
you are replaceable at work, but you're not replaceable at home. So it's like, yeah. I've got to be present. I can't be sat there on my emails or sat there going, hold on a minute, I've just got to mark this because what's that then teaching them? I've got to be present for them. Yeah, and I, I, I do do that from sometimes, particularly like more if I try and squeeze in an evening CPD, I'm like, mommy, just listening to this, just just give me 10 more minutes. Um, but he's very understanding of it, bless him. But it is, I think that is, uh, I certainly feeling it having been quite sick recently, like like it's made me realize like I, I am completely replaceable, but like, but actually if I go into work and push myself and go to work too early and make myself sicker, then the person that's going to suffer is my son. And like at the end of the day, I have to make sure that I'm fully fit and I'm not kind of going back into work and getting myself sicker and then not able to kind of give him what he needs at home. But also he's, he's an absolute gent and has been very good at looking after me. Um, so there are the benefits in that respect. He's very good at looking after me too. And I think that's because like, He's so used to kind of seeing me model it, I guess. Yeah, and there's no one size fits all. Like you could see it as a negative, but like you say, there's a positive to come from it. Whereas some children won't ever have to do that, but then they won't ever develop different skills. So no matter how you see something, there is always a positive to come from it. And some people will be listening or will talk about it and see it as a really negative. You know, I've had the comments, how on earth do you work full time? Do you not care that you're missing out? How do you work full time? How can you be a you know full like fully blown immersed parent? How can you work full time? Do you not feel like you're missing out? And I think every time someone says that, although it might be driven by curiosity, it really hurts because I made a decision long before the split to be part time to be present because I felt like being part time to be present for the children, and I had a decision to make. I either jack in everything I've worked hard for. And spend all the time with the children, even though one of them's at school anyway. <laughs> or I work full time to provide financially, to give them that security, to give them that disposable income to do things with them. And role model good, strict behaviours. And when people say that to me, do you not feel like you're missing out? Of course I feel like I'm missing out. But it wasn't an easy decision to make and it was a decision I never wanted to make. But when people say it, I don't think they mean to be mean. But it actually is really upsetting. And then I think, hold on a minute. If I calculate the time I get in a year, this is the positive. I calculate the time I get compared to the one day a week I could get if I worked part-time. I get more time. I get more yeah. time. It just yeah. feels intense. And I always say to, and you'll know this because I've said it to you, uh, <laughs> during term time, I'm not the most sociable person because it is just, I've got to get through this term. And I hit half term and I, yep, yeah, let's do this. Let's go yeah. out. Let's do this. I can, because I've got that strict boundary again, because I can be me and free and just do whatever. But at school, it's like you say, it's that routine. And I'm not going to miss out the time I do get. So I need to use all of this now. And I think it is that it's people don't mean it, but when they're like, oh, I don't know how you do it all. Like, how do you do it all? I was like, I don't have a choice. Like, I have to do it all. And like people like I used to went for his crazy stage, obviously, before I broke my foot of getting up every morning at 6am and doing a half an hour workout in the morning. <laughs> and like, you, and, and this is me thinking, you're nuts because I'm in the same situation as you. <laughs> there is absolutely no chance I could because at six o'clock I can barely open 
my eyes, even though the children might be up going, I need you, I need you. I'm like, no, I need a cup of tea. I need some coffee before I can even start. But that's the thing. For me, that gave me my energy and it took me a while to get into it. But like, then I almost like relied on it. Like I needed that to give me my energy to get me through the day. And I did feel like so much more energized. And same, this is my other tea, like mummy or daddy top tip. But if you're busy in the morning, like my big thing is that I have protein shakes for breakfast. So like I just pour it in, take it in the car and I and I drink it when I get to work so like having that's an extra like five ten minutes where I'm not making myself breakfast and having to tidy up and what have you like for me that was quite a bit of a game changer that or I wasn't going to school and going going to school hungry and not having the energy levels and then snacking like for me being strict with myself and kind of doing that morning workout and then having that protein shake so I did start the day right and I wasn't hungry and wasn't grouchy like it did make a bit quite a difference to me oh yeah and I've just I've just been talking to a PE teacher about diet and food and how that can affect like how sleepy or how active or energetic you feel and she's been telling me protein protein yeah right come on give me your top tips then (laughs) protein heavy meals well, sleep's the big thing, isn't it? The trend this year that actually you need to have your sleep. And I'm quite guilty of that. I like, I'll be like, oh, well, I haven't really actually had that much me time. So I'll just stay up and watch one more thing. And then, yeah. and then I'm knackered, like actually going to bed early and having that self-care and that discipline to make yourself do it. You are going to feel better for it. That's what I'm hoping. I said I was going to start today, but then at school, so I'm very lucky that I get dinners and I get lunch and dinner in, in my benefit if you like if you like because yeah. we're boarding school um and they always put on a hot lunch <laughs> and I said today I'm starting like you know we're going away in May <laughs> I need you know you need to feel good about it and I said I'm not having any more hot desserts do not let me eat any dessert what was it <laughs> my favorite and I thought I can't I can't turn it down so I had half <laughs> But that's the thing as well, making sure you have something to look forward to. So we're having a girly trip for your birthday to Budapest. And I think it's having, we've we've got that thing to look up forward to that is just for us and that we don't get to be mummy for that weekend. And it's, yes, you feel really, really, and it's really hard to shake that parent guilt of that mummy guilt of like kind of doing something for yourself. But actually it's really important that you recharge. And I think having those little things to look forward to just, they just, it's proper gets me through. Oh, I've literally been thinking about it on the way home today. I'm thinking, how lovely. I mean, obviously, we're all mums that are going. And how many of us are teachers in there? Three? Yeah, yeah there's three <laughs> of us that are teachers and two that aren't. But all of us haven't, like, had that time. And it's just going to be a nice chance to be people. <laughs> just yeah. people that are just, just seeing me. And, yeah, that kind of gives you the incentive. If we didn't work, we wouldn't be able to do that. And it comes back to that thing that you were saying about disposable income. I think, obviously, if you're from a single parent household, you do have less disposable income. So those children from those houses perhaps aren't necessarily getting the different cultural experiences of two parent households where they have more money to be able to take them on holidays and do all these different things. So I think like that's one of like my reasons and your reasons to like, I want to have that money to be able to do things with my child. I don't want to not be able to do stuff like I I take my son out kind of once a month for a dinner we go for a dinner date and he takes my card and pays like um but I want him to have that experience and that social experience of knowing how to act in that situation but it's also a lovely little moment for us but but 
like I do feel guilty about spending it but then I'm like no because it's actually an experience for him he's going to remember these when he's older that we used to go for these little dinner dates um and that's going to be something that he liked as opposed to a takeaway and sitting on the sofa like um it depends what like that's one of my things I used to be a very big takeaway eater back when I was married and actually I'm like there's better things that I can spend my money on like my other very guilty pleasure and I feel very guilty for saying this is that I have a cleaner like I wouldn't be able to do it without my cleaner and I'm like that that money is either a takeaway a week or a cleaner a week and the cleaner like makes my life so much better and I did persuade one of my other single mummy friends to get a cleaner she had mine for a little bit um well, you definitely persuaded me I just have to sort it out it's just it's just it I had takes take the pressure off week, you because so. you don't want to spend your one day a week where you don't have your kid and you're not working doing the cleaning. Like for yeah. me, it was that it's, it's working out what your work life balance is and making it work for you. I massively need one. I mean, I had a takeaway last week, so <laughs> um, I would love a cleaner. I, I'm very lucky that um, my children come back with washed clothes. And I know that sounds completely ridiculous and so simple because that should you know theoretically that is what should happen as co-parents you should both take the thing yeah but I always always thank them um and um, thank you so much for washing their clothes and they always say um how much they know that just those little things just take that teeny tiny bit of pressure off and I'm like it really does it really helps out so I'm very yeah, fortunate. See, my, mine come back That's with dirty clothes and it just that that day I'm like oh god if I've missed time the wash and forgotten to get it on before they come home and then trying to get it all dry before like the next lot needs to go in it is it is organization and working like that kind of constant kind of memory load of when to do things and getting things done on time like if you drop the ball on one it just it has that little like ricochet effect that can be make a week quite difficult exactly i i've been <laughs> i've got distracted now <laughs> and that's the thing about being a teacher you hear everything you see everything and then it's like hold on a minute what do i give my attention to so i'm sorry about that. i think you, oh, we lost you you still there <laughs> i'm trying to i don't know i don't know if my little boy oh, is old enough now for little chore the only time he wants to do chores is at bedtime because it's now a case of right we're going to bed now he's like no i've just got to tidy my room you never want to tidy your room you never want to tidy the toys up but you definitely don't want to go to bed so now you want to tidy so uh, see, mine had grandma for a while and she's taught him to clean so he will go get like a wipe and like wipe the windows and stuff and if i go if i go and try and have a shower quick i'm like i'll be back mommy's just having quickly having a shower i'll come downstairs and he'll have got the mop out and be cleaning the kitchen floor and he thinks it's him being really naughty and i kind of jokingly tell him off because i'm like no do that again but like it's obviously really naughty to like do that by yourself um but yeah he he's he doesn't get the cleaning bug from me but he loves a bit of a clean like if he spills something he'll run and go get the cliff floor cleaner and the mop and oh. stuff i'm just like oh see, grandma my... has taught you well <laughs> it isn't me <laughs> see my little girl will just ply me with like fake cups of tea because she obviously sees how much tea i drink she's like cup of tea <laughs> i'm like yeah go on then <laughs> and then i spend about five minutes going more yeah 
<laughs> what? Oh yeah, yeah. see so he he's quite, he's quite a dad pan. He doesn't do he doesn't boil the water, but he will get the coffee and the cup and the sugar and the spoon out and he'll put them all in ready for grandma if she he knows that she's coming to make her a coffee and then she just finishes it off when she gets there. Um so yeah, the child labor is also very very useful. <laughs> he's done life right. skills. Yeah, exactly. I think that it is that, it's that like independence. It's just kind of building that up like I know that full well if he wants breakfast he's going in the kitchen getting a plate out getting himself a croissant out the bread bin and he's good to go like like and I know people like have come I was talking to a friend the other day who's got an older um kid and they're just about to start secondary and and they can't sort themselves out their own breakfast and I just think well actually my child can get himself dressed like take himself to the toilet he can Mm. he can make his breakfast like he takes his medicine without any issues. Like yeah. I think that there is a lot said for having that independence. Like I've got oh. no qualms of when he disappears off to uni. I know he's going to be fine. Like yes. he's not going to struggle and not know how to cook. He likes I, to be involved. Yeah, I think they definitely do. And I think they pick up on the fact that we are doing it and they see that. And like you say about uh, you said earlier about role modeling, they almost want to get involved. And I know it was a couple of months ago now before Christmas, I got a sick bug, you know, the classic yeah. sickness bugs before Christmas. And I woke my little, my little girl, my little boy had had it. And obviously ultimately I got it and I woke up and they were so sweet. And I was like, Oh, just, just stay in your room a minute. <laughs> go and go to the toilet to obviously, you know, be sick. And before I knew it, I had Isla, my little girl, with tissue, toilet tissue next to me. And my little boy had gone and got me some water. And as I finished, I flushed the chain and um, my little girl was like, for your nose, for your nose. And then my little boy had made me a drink, bless them. And I went to sit down. I was like, let's just snuggle up and watch a film. And um, before, again, I just sat there and my little boy had got up about five minutes later, he come in with three crumpets that had been toasted, one for him, one for a sister and one for me. And I just cried. And I was like, I don't know what I did to deserve such a caring little boy because he is so little, but he obviously watches and he knows and he knows that's what I would do. Well, hopefully he knows that's what I do for him because that's what I do. And I just, I actually felt, I just felt so, I don't know the word. I I was very emotional because I felt so lucky that he had that in him to recognise that actually mummy needs looking after and that's both sad and really really sweet so they are they are quite compassionate they obviously have their moments but they are little and I do think they'll grow up to be quite nurturing and empathetic people which is nice they look at and they look out because they are siblings and so I'm from a split family so I have two sisters I do have other siblings, but me and my two sisters have the same biological mum and dad. So we travelled as a pack, but, you know, on weekends, one to my mum's, one to my dad's. And I am so fortunate to be so close to them. I'm so, I'm close in age anyway. And although we don't live together anymore, I 100% know they've got my back. And through my toughest times, they've been there. They are my little, like, cheerleaders. And I I see that in their I see that in my children because they travel to and from. They are they are their unit. They are their constant and I can see it. Although they sometimes fight because 
she's nicked his pen or, you know, she's annoying him or he's then winding her up. I 100% know if anyone did anything to one of them, if they were out of their friends, they would have each other's back. I can, I, I just know it because they do love each other dearly, but they've had to, they've had to create that stronger bond between them, I think. Yeah, I, I think they have. They've got a lovely little bond. But I was going to say, similar to your thing, is that I think if I'm cooking dinner in the evenings, my son, he won't really sit in the lounge. He'll come and join me in the kitchen and want to help cut things up. Like, I think he or he'll want to come and sit in the kitchen and play at the table in the kitchen so he's next to me and not sat in another room. I feel like there's that kind of they understand that you can't necessarily give them your full attention because you've got to provide for them. They understand that that's got to be done, but they kind of, they adapt to it and become part of it. But also like, I like the fact he's not like, oh, I don't want to leave you on your own. I'm going to come sit in here with you. And that's like his choice, but he enjoys doing that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know that doesn't make sense. And I, boy will choose to sit in the kitchen with me while I'm cooking too. Not necessarily sometimes to watch, but he'll just colour or he'll chat to me or we'll we'll spell out words that he has to kind of recognise. It is a special time, even though you're like productive and you're like, I've got to cook dinner. You can you don't make miss it out like, on that time because you've got to do special. something that's got to be done. I mean, my big thing that I've realised this week is that, so last week, Obviously, my son gets a taxi to and from the other school four days a week. So it's actually only in the village school one day a week. But I have never dropped him off and picked him up from school before until last week. And this is obviously his second year in that school. So for me, I just I felt this like almost massive mummy guilt. They're like, I'm like, I don't know any of these other parents. And I've never actually done this before. Like my child is always in breakfast club and always in after school. It was like quite a weird sensation but I know it's a necessity and I know he's fine like and he he loves the breakfast club stuff and he loves all the other kids in the breakfast club he loves like socializing with older kids um but I just I I really had bad mummy guilt I'm like oh god I don't do this like enough yeah see I've gone the opposite way because I found so when I started back this academic year I've gone back full-time and as a full-time member of staff you have to take on a form now form time starts when my little boys school starts and I had to I had to campaign to say I can't split myself into two I don't know what you want me to do but I can't fulfill my responsibility as a form tutor because I'm needed at school and um, I was fortunate obviously I had several conversations at my school and they did accommodate um, but it's become it became quite uh stressful for me so I have made the decision to take up the extra cost which kind of defeats the object of going full-time but take up the extra cost of putting me into breakfast club I'm really lucky that my school is very small so I've I've already built good relationships with the parents there and I I'm lucky that one of his teachers I teach at high school so she understands they really do get it in fact I've taught both uh, my little boy's got two teachers and both their children go to my school and I've taught both of them so they get it and they are very understanding there but I have that I'm not going to drop him off to school anymore I drop him off to breakfast club he like you like yours they're fine with it 
and that will just be their norm. But there is that immense, gosh, I'm having to like pay more, get up earlier, put them into a club where I miss out on that special time just to go to work. And that's where I then start thinking, oh, this, this is where then you're like, oh, I feel like this is unfair. But equally, there's always positive, like I say, it's always positive. I'm fortunate that I can do that and I'm fortunate I can fulfil my role and now I'm getting paid what I should be paid to fulfil my responsibility. And it's not forever and it's for such a short time and I still get my holidays and it's like I'm just so thankful that I am on the same time as him at school. I feel more guilt for my littlest one because I got more time with my eldest, especially with lockdown, I got an extra year. Then I had maternity with my little one and I got maternity leave with him. So I got, you know, almost three years with him. Whereas my little one, I split, we went through the split before my maternity leave was up. So I came back from maternity leave with a baby and divorced. And I had to go back to work earlier as a consequence and then I've not, I've not had a chance to have that time I got with my eldest with her. So I feel more guilt there than I do my eldest because I know I'm not missing out on him because he goes to school at the same time as I do and he comes home roughly the same time as I do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does because I, I completely like, oh. understand it. But that's the thing, even when mine was little and I he was in nursery at 7.30 and then depending on the days, so like most of the time I left him in there till till. 435 because that's what I needed to get my work done and um, there was a couple of days where my mum had him so therefore they're the days I had to be home earlier but it is really difficult because it's like you're either going to take the work home and do it when they get, go to bed or you've got to do it then but um it's it's just that kind of you it feel you feel such guilt for doing it but you have to kind of work it out and it is the cost of breakfast and clubs are not easy like I was saying earlier that unfortunately my kids school have finished at 3 15 but my school finished at three but it takes me 20 25 minutes to get there so essentially I'm paying six quid for like 10 minutes but I leave them in there longer to feel like I'm getting my money's worth and I'm getting my work done but like that's quite hard for me because I do I'd rather leave in pick him up but actually I'm like I, I, I kind of feel like I, I'm paying that amount of money I should kind of do it and same as in the mornings I drop him off at quarter two and he gets picked up at kind of five past by his taxi so I'm paying like for 20 minutes he's not even having the full breakfast club experience but it's the oh. only way I could physically get it to work for me so it is kind of you have to take that help where it's there and, mm -hmm. and do it but it is you kind of almost have to get over that guilt and 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 there are things like I use childcare vouchers but there's other government schemes that you can get kind of discounts and obviously when the hours kick in that does help in terms of nursery mm. but it is really hard until it does and kind of managing it when it does if that makes sense oh yeah and I'm still in that I I don't get any help because um she's too little at the moment so I'm really like I'm going for it at the moment like full-time work and full-time childcare costs are pretty intense. But um, I just know that this time next year, ish, ish, it will all be worth it. And I can go, oh, I made it through and I'll be really like selfishly be proud of my, I'm proud of myself. I feel like I'm already proud of myself for maintaining my career. And I got a little promotion within it and I've kind of really like focused on it. I was worried there'd be stigma attached to coming back and it was kind of embarrassing to admit 
like coming back and going, how was your maternity? And you're like, oh, I'm divorced. <laughs> My maternity was not how you'd expect it to go. And thinking people would stop talking to me or not um, see me as competent anymore. And I was really worried. I was worried about telling my friends. In fact, obviously, Hannah, you were, I think you were one of the first people because I kind of had that detachment of, I didn't see you every day because yeah, we're obviously yeah. geographically a little bit far, but I knew you. And obviously we've built a much stronger relationship anyway for it. So, you know, there's a positive. I told you there's always a positive. Um, but I was really like, I was really nervous to tell my closest friends because I thought, oh no, people are gonna, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. And I thought, oh my gosh, I live in a modern world and I work with so many people. This is just ridiculous. And I'm, like I said earlier, I'm very lucky that I have such a supportive network, both at home and at my school. My school have been really, really good, actually. I think it is that like I had massive fear about telling people it or you almost feel like it's admitting that you've somehow failed and mine yeah. happened over the holidays mine happened in August so that fear of going back and everyone being like oh how was your summer holidays I'm like mine was horrific I got divorced yeah. and it's it's my whole world fell apart it was it was and for me I was like oh god I'm gonna get asked this question over and over and over again and then I was saying earlier before you came on that I actually had a CPD that very day where they talked about how kids from parent single parent households were the same as kids that experienced abuse and I was just like like I told SLT that, that I'd just been through that do you really think that's the like thing to say literally my friend kind of looked at me and was like are you okay um but obviously they, they only need one secure happy attachment like that's what the research says that they can still thrive with one happy um supportive parent and I, I'm, I'm very much a, like my child will be hugged and kissed as much as humanly possible um there is never enough as far as I'm concerned and and I don't know I don't know whether it is because I'm a single parent I feel like I I get I have way more cuddles than I feel like I should but I need them. I need them just as much as he needs them. And I I need him as much as he needs me. Um, and I feel like that's the thing. We we rely on them to help us kind of get through it as much as yeah. we're doing it for them. Yeah, no, agree. We um we certainly do. I wouldn't be anywhere without them. <laughs> They're like my little motivators. They are. And I think that's that's one of the things I feel like I'm far more motivated um because before when I had them I was a bit like oh I, I I went back four days a week the first year after I had him and then went back up to full time um in it quite similar to you but like I'm doing it for him um and I'm doing it because I want the best for him and I want him to not miss out on anything oh that was one of my biggest things they're not missing out <laughs> not going to be someone that doesn't go out they are going to carry on doing what we do and um I'll do anything I can to make sure that that happens we build resilience in ourselves as much as we build it in them I guess I thought we're coming near to the end of the show um but I have got found this lovely little quote that I am I thought would be good to kind of discuss at the end. So the best you can do is good enough. And I think we're quite bad at forgetting that our our level of good is is 
probably somebody else's level of excellence and I think we hold ourselves to quite high standards and that we the best we can do is all we can do and it's always going to be good enough you've cut out Jess are you still there I was gonna say I literally just lost you then <laughs> I was saying that the best you can do is good enough you can only do your best and that that's all we can ask for you you sometimes put pressure on yourselves to do more but actually the best we can do is going to be good enough for them and it and that is it it goes right back to simplistics and basics they need basic needs met not So on that note, we're going to finish our show. I hope you've enjoyed it today. Feel free um, to message me if you've got any questions or any ideas or want to come on another show. Um, and don't forget, you can listen back to other shows on there as well. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.